This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. We're going this morning to Mark chapter number 13. We're, beginning, we're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse number 24. Mark chapter number 13. As we come to Mark 13, we understand that just a few days in the life of Christ before his death and resurrection will occur, he is teaching his disciples concerning the last days. That is a subject that there is great interest about in our world by many. Uh, and of course, with all of the events taking place in our nation in uh, recent days, the uh, coronavirus pandemic, uh, with all of the upheaval and instability in our land, the anarchy in our streets, and uh, the great void of leadership in many of our large cities across our nation. Uh, there are lots of people asking a question. And the question is, uh, what is going to happen? Is this the end of the world? And uh, I think that's a legitimate question for many to be asking. And the disciples, as we come to Mark chapter 13, are interested in knowing the answer to that question. And the Lord Jesus is giving them the answer. Now already, as we have looked in this chapter, we have seen that the Lord is speaking on the last times, the signs of the times. And then in verse number 14 of Mark 13, he becomes more specific in dealing with the event of the great tribulation period. A time that is a seven-year period, a time that is coming to this earth when Satan, Superman, the Antichrist, will rise to world power. He will unite the nations of the world. He will control the currency and the transactions of the world in business. He will bring the world together in a one-world religion. And uh, he will lead the world in revolt against God and against Christ. Ultimately, the world will gather against Israel to fight against Israel. They will come against Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself will descend with an army, an army of his saints, and he will bring judgment to this world. He will establish his kingdom and he will rule and reign upon this earth for a thousand years. All of these things are prophesied in the scripture and all of these things are surely coming to pass as Jesus said they would. And we as people who know God are looking forward to the coming of the Lord. Now it'll be a time when he comes, a time of judgment upon this earth. But for those who know him, it is a time of mercy. It is a time of great grace. 
And I want us to look together in this passage, beginning in verse number 24. And I want to speak to you on this subject. The king is coming. The king is coming. Now, when Mark introduced the king onto the scene in Mark chapter number one, he's writing, of course, to a predominantly Roman audience. The majority of the world that would have read Mark's gospel were servants. They were slaves. Now, slavery, as it was known then, and slavery as it has been known in our nation, uh, were really quite different. There were no racial uh, or ethnic uh, distinctions in slavery. There were groups of slaves across the ethnic spectrum. But most of the world, in fact, in that time, uh, many who were in Rome and under the oppression of the Roman Empire were servants. And Mark is writing to those servants, and he's speaking to them about a king who is coming. And the thing about this king, King Jesus, is that he is coming as a servant. He's not coming to exercise dominion and mistreat them. He is coming to serve them. And he did come the first time to die on the cross, to make the payment for their sin, to, to deal with the sin problem and give them a home in heaven. And when he entered into Jerusalem just a few days before he'll, he'll speak to them in Mark 13, the people lined the streets and they hailed him as he rode in on a donkey. But when he comes again, he is not coming in peace. He is not coming in mercy. He is coming in judgment and he is coming in wrath, not on a donkey, but on a white horse. The king is coming. We read this in verse number 24, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is even nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. And to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore. For ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your book today. May our attention be given fully to you. Remove from our hearts and minds anything that may distract us. Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. After speaking to them concerning the great tribulation, and there were four distinct things that we looked at last time as we noted the great tribulation, this seven-year period that is coming upon this earth. It is a time of urgent warning. We saw the urgent warnings of the great tribulation. The Lord said, when you saw, or when you see, rather, this abomination of desolation, the Antichrist will enter into the temple of God in Jerusalem, which is yet to be built, but will be built. And he will offer the sacrifice of the swine upon the altar. And the people of Israel will know this is not our friend. He will have lured them and seduced them and deceived them into making an agreement of peace. They will have believed up until that point that he is for them. And then once this abomination of desolation takes place, then they will know. And the Lord says, when you see that happen, run. Don't stop. Don't wait. Don't go back home and gather things together. Run, leave, flee. The urgent warnings of the great tribulation, the unprecedented woes of the great tribulation, all of the difficulties and all of the terrible things that will befall man, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes upon the earth. The demons of hell will be unleashed upon this earth. There will be untold suffering. The Lord Jesus said that the world has not seen or will ever see the amount of suffering, the amount of anguish, the amount of sorrow that will take place upon this earth in the great tribulation period. He spoke of the unholy wonders of the great tribulation, how that the Antichrist will deceive the world and unite them together through signs and wonders. And then the unstable worlds of the great tribulation. Not only will the earth quake and come apart, but the heavens will be unstable and fall. And we read of that just a moment ago as we read our text. But now as we come to verses 24 through 37, the great tribulation is coming to a close. And the Lord Jesus said, except those days had been shortened, there would no flesh remain alive on the earth. Imagine such a brutal world. But now Jesus is coming. The armies of Satan have uh, forged together and they have come against Jerusalem and Israel to fight against the people. And the Lord Jesus is returning. He's returning to claim his own. We're going to note three things as we look at this passage. I hope you'll write them down. Number one, we're going to see the power of his coming. The power of his coming. Secondly, we're going to see the promise of his coming. And then finally, the preparation for his coming. I want us to note, first of all, the power of his coming. The Bible says in verse 24, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened. Imagine that. And the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Not only will this earth be quaking with earthquakes and warfare and untold suffering, but the Bible says that the very cosmic universe will begin to shake and will begin to move apart. And it is at this moment in verse 26, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now, the disciples who were on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
were able to see the Lord Jesus in his glory. But I want you to know that when he comes again, he is coming in power and in glory, and every eye shall see him. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. This will be a time of wrath and judgment that God is coming to deal with his enemies, those who have hated him, those who have rejected him. He is coming to deal with them. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 13 and verse number 9, writes this. He said, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger. That is the way that Jesus is coming. He came to offer to us initially the terms of peace. He has come in mercy, riding lowly, meek and lowly upon a donkey. But now, in his second coming, he is coming with wrath and indignation and judgment, riding upon a white horse. The Bible says he will lay the land desolate and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. I want you to understand as we see things happening in our world and we wonder, well, why, why does God permit all of this injustice and why does God permit all of this suffering and why does God permit all of this sin and when will he ever or will he ever make it straight? The answer is he's going to make it straight. He's coming in judgment. I wonder if you are ready for the coming of the king. The Bible says in verse 10, the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. These are the words of Isaiah as he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, the sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity and I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. You see, the Bible teaches us that God is angry with the wicked every day. And there is coming a day when his anger will be poured out upon this world. In Luke chapter 21, in verses 25 and 26, the Bible says, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Imagine this now. Upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Everything on this earth, everything that we can see is in disruption. It is in destruction. It is in chaos. Verse 26, Jesus says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. You see, we see the power of his coming. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, the 19th chapter. John, the apostle, is carried away by the Lord, and he sees the events that will unfold in the coming of the Lord in the end days. In Revelation chapter number 19, as you're turning there, the scene is in heaven. And I want you to know what's going, in and what's going on in heaven. Uh, while the world is in utter chaos and destruction, let me tell you what's going on in heaven. They are worshiping the true and the living God. 
Look in verse number one. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged, uh, he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, for her smoke rose up forever and ever. You see, while this world is falling apart below, those of us who know the Lord, who've been caught up together in the rapture, those of us who are with him are in his presence. And while the world is at war and destruction, we are in the presence of God in worship of him. I hope that you know the Lord. I trust that you will. If you have not received him, I trust that you'll receive him today because when that trumpet sounds, it will be too late. The Bible teaches us uh, that those who have turned from the truth of the gospel will be sent a strong delusion. They will believe a lie and they will be damned. They will be deceived by the Antichrist. They will be in this number when judgment falls, when the Lord comes back. I hope that you won't be among that crowd. I hope you'll be in the crowd that's in heaven gathered together. Now, we understand that during the tribulation period, the Bible says that the Lord will, 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 will call 144,000 Jewish evangelists who will go throughout the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that many who have never heard the gospel, many who have not rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, will have an opportunity and will respond to that opportunity to receive the gospel. But if you're here today and you've heard the message of the gospel and you reject that message, you won't have that opportunity. This is your time. This is your opportunity. Will you receive him? Now John shifts from this scene where everyone is worshiping the Lord. To look together with me, if you would, in verse number 11 of Revelation chapter 19. John said, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords who is this this is king Jesus he's on a white horse he's gathered with his army the saints of God we're with him. Those of us who put our faith and trust in him, all those who have died and gone on to be with him, they're going to be riding in this cavalry. They're going to be coming with King Jesus to this earth. And when he comes, he's coming in fierceness. He's coming in anger. As the Bible said, he will rule with a rod of iron. He shall tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the almighty God. Verse 17 I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. 
You see, when the Lord Jesus comes against the armies that have united against God's people, he's coming to destroy them. He's coming to bring judgment. And he cries out to the fowls of the air, the birds of the air, come and gather yourself. That battlefield in Megiddo will be lined with dead corpses. The blood will flow high to the horse's bridle. I want to tell you, friend, it's not going to be a pretty picture on earth when Jesus comes. He's coming in judgment. And he will put down once and for all the armies that have rebelled against God, and he will establish his kingdom on this earth. All the unjust leaders, all the liars and deceivers, all the schemers and all the manipulators, all the tyrants of this world will be put to an end. And I want to tell you that King Jesus, when he comes and judges them, will then establish his throne upon this earth, and he will rule and reign on this earth for 1,000 years. Read it with me, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him up a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their heads. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now here's the picture. King Jesus is coming to rule. And when he comes, he will gather, as he said in Mark, he will have his angel gather from the four corners of the earth and of the heavens. He will gather his people together. He will establish his kingdom. He will bind Satan, the devil. He will chain him and bind him and cast him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Now, I want to tell you, every dream that anybody has ever had about a perfect society of justice with a perfect ruler, will be fulfilled when King Jesus is on this earth. He will rule and reign for 1,000 years, and all of us who know the Lord will reign with him. What a wonderful thing. I know many of you, 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 you are brokenhearted, and you're longing for the day when you can be reunited with your loved ones, and you go to family dinners, and you go to gatherings, and, and you go and enjoy things on this earth, and you think this thought, only if so-and-so were here. I'm going to tell you, there's coming a day when you're all going to be together on this earth. You'll get to go to that place. You'll get to gather together for a thousand years. What a glorious time. Hey, that's longer than this life. That's longer than you've ever. You'll have more precious moments with your loved ones in the thousand-year reign than you've ever had on this earth. What a glorious time it's going to be. That's what King Jesus is going to do for you and I. He's going to reign for a thousand years. The Bible tells us here in Revelation chapter 20 
in verse number four, that not only will the church, the redeemed of the Lord, who was saved during this time before his coming, will be with him, but also the Bible says in verse four, the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and that which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So not only will the church be alive and together, not only will the Old Testament saints be alive and together, but those saved during the tribulation period, those who would not take the mark of the beast, those who would not bow to the image, they will be a part of that kingdom, and they will live and reign with us for a thousand years. What a glorious time. But at the end of the thousand years, the Bible says that the devil will be released. And here's the, here's the sad thing. After a thousand years, there will still be people on this earth who will hate Jesus and reject him. They will turn from him, they will turn to the devil, and they will gather together with Satan, and in their pride and in their arrogance and in their utter stupidity, they will come against God, and the Lord Jesus will destroy them in a moment with the word of his mouth at the close of that thousand years. Afterwards, all the dead who do not know God will be resurrected. They'll be resurrected under the great white throne judgment of Jesus. In Revelation 20, in verse number five, the Bible speaks of this, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. The rest of the dead were all those who died not knowing Jesus. They weren't alive during the thousand years. No, they were in hell. But there's coming a day when they will be resurrected. He speaks then of the first resurrection. In verse 6, blessed is he, or blessed rather, and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. You see, the first resurrection is when we come again. This second resurrection he's speaking of is exclusively those who have rejected him. And what will happen at that great white throne judgment? All who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ will give an account to him. They will stand in judgment. They will be sentenced to an eternity in the lake of fire, and they'll be cast into hell. The Bible says that the earth... And the elements will melt with a fervent heat. And we'll witness it all. And the Lord will create a new heavens and a new earth. And we will be with the Lord for all eternity. The power of his coming. He's coming in power. We see secondly, the promise of his coming. Notice it, if you would, please, in verse 28. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When a branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Lord said, there's one thing you can take to the bank, friend. 
my word. This heaven, this earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Now we see something here concerning the promise of his coming. You can rest upon it. You can know it is going to happen. Know this, his coming is soon. We see that in verse 28 and 29. He speaks of the fig tree. When a branch is tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. I love the springtime, don't you? After the cold, long, dark, gray winter, looking at the barren branches of the trees, I like to see some color. I like to see the sun, the sky blue, and the green leaves on the trees. I just love seeing that. It tells me there's life. It tells me that summer is coming. And of course, by the time we get through the heat of the summer, we're ready for the fall, right? But the Lord said, as you see the spring life begin to flourish, you know that summer is near. When you see these things that I have told you about begin to come to pass, know that my coming is soon. This is what we know. We know that this world is being conditioned in this moment for the Antichrist. We know that this world is being conditioned uh, to come together in one global government. Uh, we know that for this to happen, a lot of economies and a lot of governments must collapse. And in fact, we live in a nation where if we've ever been close to a time of a collapse of our government, it is today. The anarchy, the unrest, the lack of leadership, all of these things contribute to this. His coming is soon. We know it. It is nigh. We see it happening. His coming not only is soon, but it is sure. It's going to happen. The angels who stood by the disciples as they watched the Lord Jesus after his resurrection, as they watched him ascend into the heavens, the angels said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming again. And we can be sure of it. Now, I want you to go with me to 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3, and let's find verse number 1. 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse number 1. The apostle Paul, or Peter rather, writing, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Here's what Peter's objective is. He is writing to stir and awaken them to this truth that Jesus is coming again. Notice in verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that first of all, uh, know this, the scoffers are coming. By the way, they're here, aren't they? The mockers, those who ridicule the truth of God's word, those who, who mock and deride our Savior, those, those who seek to discredit God's word, they're already here. And what will they say? 
Here's what he said they would say, verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? You see, 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross. Where is he? He promised to come back. Where is he? I was seated in a lecture hall in a class at the University of Tennessee when a bold and arrogant and proud professor uttered a very similar sentence. He was trying to tell all of us students that really that Christianity was a failed experiment and that it really had no impact on Western culture. Now imagine that, that Jesus had no impact on Western culture. As educated as he was, he really missed the obvious, didn't he? And I remember him in a, in a snide way saying, he said he was coming back, but he hadn't made it. And in my heart, I thought of this verse. They're saying, where's the promise of his coming? Notice in verse eight. But beloved, in the midst of all that, when we hear all of that, when you live in that culture, when you kids hear that at school, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. In other words, the Lord's not late. The, the Lord's not forgotten. He's not up in the heavens as some, you know, aloof old man who's forgotten he's supposed to come back. No, he's not slack concerning his promise. Notice it in verse 9. But is, would you say the next word with me? Long-suffering. He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can I tell you what God's heart is? God's heart is that every person on this earth would know him. He is not willing that any should perish. The Lord has no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. The Lord Jesus came and made the payment for our sin that whosoever would come to him would be saved. For whosoever believeth upon him, he says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, shall be saved. Why? Because he loves them and he made the payment for their sin. And so the Lord is not slack. It's not as if he's forgotten the time calendar. No, he is waiting patiently, mercifully, extending an offer of grace to you perhaps at this very moment that you would come and receive Jesus and be saved and escape this great tribulation and escape the awful judgment that awaits you if you reject him. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat and the earth and also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Here's what we know. His coming will be swift. His coming is sure. The promise of his coming. I want you to see finally a third thing this morning. That is the preparation for his coming. We go back to Mark chapter number 13. Find, if you would please, verse 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. There are a lot of date setters. 
Lots of them. They've been doing it for a long, long time. They've all been wrong. You would think they would understand what Jesus said. He said, you need to be prepared, but know this, it's not a time for speculation. There are lots of people who are intrigued by all the unsolved mysteries of the Bible. I want to tell you, friend, God has made some things plain, and those are the things we need to be concerned about. Let him deal with the unsolved mysteries of the Bible. Don't get caught up with these date setters. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. I, I don't know how he could be any more plain than that, do you? Of that day and hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Jesus said, I don't know. I'm giving that to the Father. He knows, and I'll be ready to come and get you when he sends me. Now, what's the message then? It's not to speculate. It's to watch and to pray. We live in a world, as I said a moment ago, we're so intrigued with all of these all of these unsolved mysteries of the Bible, and we're trying to investigate every, every scenario when we ought to be spending our time watching and praying. It's not a time to speculate. It's not a time to sleep. It's not a time to sleep. And notice what he says in verse 34. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. This is no time to sleep. And the church is slumbering in Delilah's lap. May God help us to awaken. The Bible said in knowing thy time, that it is high time to awake. If there's ever been a time when we need to be on top of it, if there's ever been a time that we need to be alert, it is the hour in which we live. An hour of deception, an hour of delusion, an hour of destruction. May God's people be awake. May we be alert. May we be discerning to what is happening in our world. Why? Because there's a world out here who is afraid and they don't have any answers and they want to know what they are and guess who's going to give them the answers? It's the people who have it. That's us. This is not a time to get caught up in your personal life and your private ambitions and all the dreams and fancies of your life. This is a time to understand that we are serving the king of kings. Someone recently said that God is not the supporting actor in your life's drama. He's not here to fulfill all your fanciful dreams. You are here to worship him and to serve him. May God help in his church to awaken. 2 Peter chapter number 3, I, I want us to look back there again in verse number 11 because as Peter's writing about the coming of the Lord, he speaks to those saints of God who are looking for this coming. 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 11. He says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? In other words, understanding that Jesus is coming has an impact on my life. 
All these things are going to be dissolved. You know, all these things I spend all my time thinking about and all my money to buy and all the things I don't have that I spend my time wishing I did have, they're going to be dissolved. Everything that we think is important outside of our family, outside of Jesus and his church, it's going to be dissolved. Seeing then that these things should be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? How does that impact your life personally? In all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, verse 13, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be, what's the next word, church? Diligent. Not slipshod. Not casual. Not every once in a while. But intentional. Be diligent. That ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking them of these things in which some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures for their own destruction. In other words, he says there's a group of people who just take the Bible, and they rest it under their own destruction. They don't understand it. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God living in them. It doesn't seem to make sense to them, and they find passages that they think, you know, contradict one another or leads them to a different path, and so they rest the Scriptures to their own destruction. But we who know the Lord and have the Holy Spirit in us, we who have an understanding of God's Word, we are to be witnesses. We're to be teachers of the truth. We're to be diligent. We're to be holy. We're to live for God. We're to be awake in this hour. May God help us to be awake. He says in verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. We are prone to deception. We are prone to be led away by all the enticements of this world, the appetites of our flesh, the allurement of sin, the teaching of false doctrine. May God help us to be faithful to him. Verse 18, how do we accomplish this? But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How are we going to accomplish it? We're going to grow in the grace of God and in the knowledge of God. We're going to spend time in his word. We're going to be faithful. We're going to do the thing that he's called us to do. You see, it's not a time to speculate. It's not a time to sleep. It is a time to serve. It's a time to serve. Remember what the Lord Jesus said. He said in verse 34, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. You see, he's left the earth, hasn't he? He's left his house, his church, his body. He has commissioned us. He has called us to serve him. And he is coming back and he intends to find that you and I have done 
what he's, what we, he's has told us to do. I remember one time when I was a boy, uh, my dad told me I need to have the yard mowed by the time he got home from work. I thought, okay. And I had the morning, and I could do what I wanted to, and then that went on into lunch, and that went on into the afternoon, and I decided I had better get the yard mowed because my dad is coming. And if I don't have the yard mowed, he's not going to be happy, which means I wasn't going to be happy. I mowed the yard. I did what I was supposed to. You see, here's what we know. We know Jesus is coming. We don't know when, but we do know it's soon. So what should we do? We ought to be busy doing what God has called us to do. We ought to be prepared. So it's not a time to sleep. It's not a time to speculate. It's a time to serve. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. In Luke 19, 13, he says, occupy till I come. Hey, look, don't coast into heaven. You'll be sorry you did. You'll get to heaven, but you'll be sorry you coasted. Serve the Lord. Serve him in this moment. There's never been a more exciting time to serve Jesus than this time. His coming is near. His coming is near. And we may hear the trumpet at any moment. Are you ready? Let me ask you a question. If Jesus were to come today, if that trumpet were to sound, are you going up in that rapture? Do you know him as Savior? If today was the final day on earth for you, where would you spend eternity? Heaven or hell? You see, when that trumpet sounds, if you're not in that number, it's too late. But right now, God, who is long-suffering to usward and not willing that you should repent it or that you should perish, but is willing that you should come to repentance, will you come to him now? Would you be saved? Would you turn to Jesus? If you are saved, let me ask you this question. Are you ready? That means are you right with him? Are you awake? Are you alert or are you asleep? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.